Hey Vintage family, it's David here and it's good to be with you in a sense this morning. Um, it's a little awkward of course speaking to an empty room but um, that's, that's okay. Um, I want to talk this morning with you and share some thoughts around the idea of peace and the idea of peace ruling over us. Because while in the middle of April we might have now enough supply of toilet paper in our houses, my guess might be is that peace might actually be something that might be in short supply, at least from a day-to-day or moment-by-moment reality in your own life. I know for me, it's been something that's really been impressed upon me. We read together last week in Colossians 3 about putting on love and about allowing the peace of Christ to rule over us. And so I want to explore that a little bit today and explore that idea together with you. As we look back a few weeks, I'm, I'm reminded of Feb- February 28th. It was a Friday. The night before, I'd done a whole load of laundry and I was packing my suitcase because that Tuesday I was set to go to Tokyo for a work trip for the first time. I'm a planner, uh, as you may or may not know, and so I had planned out the trip in terms of the restaurants I wanted to visit, the cafes I wanted to be at, and of course the meetings that we were going to have out there. That Friday afternoon, I got an email that informed me that the trip had been cancelled as the world began to declare, in a sense, in the words of Mr. T, I ain't getting on no plane. We were grounded, in a sense, in, in both senses of the word. And from that moment then we started over the next few weeks as a society to begin to compare notes right about how disrupted our lives had become the graduations that would be missed the uh, weddings that would be postponed the the surgeries that had been put off and all of these profound challenges and it's fair to say that we as a society were suddenly thrown into a new place a space that we had not been in before it caused me to kind of asked myself, like, how prepared was I for this moment? Uh, Not talking about how prepared were my shelves with food or, or how much money had I saved away or how much toilet paper had I stored up, but this inner question of questioning my mind and my heart, how prepared was I for a moment like this? See, perhaps you, like me, at the start of 2020, we set plans and goals and hopes and dreams for the year. I don't know about you, but at no point in my plan was there a line about wanting to learn how to survive a global pandemic. I remember a week or two into this challenge, a Monday morning with our team at work and about a month of our client work was just postponed right there and then into the sort of unknown future. And I went to the shelf to look for my how to survive when the economy grinds to a halt plan to kind of dust the, blow the dust off the, the cover of it and couldn't find that plan. And so we find ourselves in moments like this kind of realizing maybe at times our lack of preparedness for the great unknown. Warren Buffett has this line where he says that when the tide comes in, we find out who's been skinny dipping. And perhaps you, like me, hopefully not literally, but maybe emotionally or so, found ourselves somewhat uncovered and and unprepared. There's also a reality that when we face moments like this, we realize that life is really not going as planned. And again, to borrow another quote from, from the boxer this time, Mike Tyson, 
he, he said when he defeated a rival one time, he said everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And maybe you feel that this moment has been a punch to the face or at least a punch in the gut. And so in moments like this, then we ask ourselves how prepared we were for moments like this. But we also ask ourselves a couple of questions. I want to explore them with you today. We ask ourselves, what happens to us when life doesn't go as planned? And then we can also ask the question, what does God have for us in moments like this? When life doesn't go as planned, we can look back to stories in the scripture, right? We can see like when Daniel was taken into captivity in Babylon or when Joseph was thrown into prison, we see time and time again that life is not unfolding according to plan, at least according, according to our plan for how the world should work. We see it in the lives of the early disciples, right? We see it, there's, there's a moment when James and John, who are two brothers, the sons of Zebedee, they, they come to Jesus and they, I love what they ask, they ask him this, this question. Uh, in Mark chapter 10, it says this, that James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, that is Jesus, and they said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. First of all, I love their boldness, okay? But Jesus responds, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You see, they had plans for their own life that depended on Jesus implementing those same plans. There's a reality that for, for me and maybe for so many of us that our, our relationship with Jesus is about telling him what we want him to do for us. Sometimes the invitation is to pause and say, Jesus, how can I join you in what you're already doing? There's this moment in that story where their plans for his life are colliding for their plans for their own life and Jesus confronts them with that reality. We also see it in the, in the life of Peter, right? In Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 and 22, it says this, that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. It says, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. At face value, Peter is kind of being a good friend, right? It's like his friend is coming to him and being like, hey, I, I got to tell you something. Like, this is not going to go well for me. Like, I'm going to be taken. I'm, I'm going to be killed. And Peter's kind of being like that good friend who's pumping him up, who's like, no, man, you, you're going you're gonna to survive this. You're going to get through this. This isn't going to take you out. And what's happening in that moment is that Peter has plans for Jesus' life that do not match the reality of how things were gonna play out. We empathize with Peter, of course, that the reality is at times we don't want those things to happen to Jesus because we don't want those things to happen to us. And so there are moments like this where life is not playing out as we planned it. When moments like that come to us, 
we can experience deep grief. We can experience deep fear. We can experience anxiety. And so when life doesn't go as planned, I think there are a few different ways where maybe we can sometimes respond. One of the ways we can respond when life doesn't go as planned is we can turn back and go back to old ways of doing things, to old behavior patterns, to the, to the ways that things used to work, to the ways that we used to soothe ourselves, to the ways that we used to find security for ourselves. In the lives of the disciples when Jesus was taken and killed, when things went off script, at least for the way that Peter and others had scripted them. In that moment, Peter and the disciples ran away and Peter literally went back to his fishing nets. The thing that had brought him security and comfort and provision in his previous life, he went back to that same space. Maybe for you, in this moment, you, you find yourself being drawn to pick up those things that Jesus had invited you to put down, to pick up the old behavior patterns, to pick up the old addictions. And our reason this morning for calling that out is not to shame us for that reaction, but it's just to identify that that is often where we go when life doesn't play out as we planned it. Another thing that we can do is not just go back to old ways of doing things, but sometimes our response to moments like this to, can be to just want to eject, just want to figuratively jump overboard in a sense, be thrown overboard, be done with it. I've been really struck over the last couple of weeks by the story of Jonah. Jonah is invited into a miraculous plan of God. There's a reality, there's a clash in that moment because Jonah is kind of like me, right? I, I want God to, to call me, uh, but I kind of have a draft plan that I want to give him that I want him to call me into. And instead there's this clash because God has a plan for Jonah's life, but Jonah has a plan for God's life. And God calls him into something miraculous and beautiful, but he says, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is kind of like the worst of the worst. And I want you to go and I want you to bring a message to them because I, I'm, I'm gonna redeem and bring love and redemption to that people. And Jonah goes the other way, right? He buys a ticket on a boat and he sails the opposite direction to Nineveh. And he's running away, why? Because life is not unfolding as he planned it. And I know that in my own life. I, th this story has so resonated with me because as things have begun to play out, as the economy has begun to slow and, and grind to a halt, as, uh, as life just is not unfolding as maybe we'd, we'd all hoped in this, in this moment, in this season, there can be a real tendency within us, certainly within me, to say, I just want to be done with it. I just want to be thrown overboard because that boat hits a storm and the people on the boat are scared and they're trying to figure out what happens and Jonah comes to them and says like, hey, I'm, I'm the reason there's a storm. You need to throw me overboard and the water will be calm again. He says this in, uh, in Jonah uh, chapter one and verse two. He says to the men, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. I always kind of saw that moment as being like a moment of self-discovery for Jonah where he realized like, yep, he was to blame and he took responsibility for his actions, etc. But I've started to see it over the last few weeks through maybe a different lens, not to, not to blame Jonah, but kind of to join him and come alongside. 
Because what was really happening in that moment was it was Jonah's last attempt to get out of what God had called him to. He was ejecting from the situation. He was asking to be let go. And I understand that kind of emotion. Maybe you do too. Because Jonah had another choice in that moment. He could have said to the man, hey, we're going the wrong way. I, I've, I've led you the wrong direction. We need to turn the boat around. We need to go to Nineveh. And God is gonna do something miraculous there. And he's invited us, inviting us to join him in that. But instead he opted to just get out of the situation. He said, get me out of here and the sea will become calm. And so in moments like this, when life doesn't go as planned, we can really understand and empathize with that temptation to just eject, to just get out of the thing that is hard. Instead of saying, how can I be a man who is, or a, or a woman and a people who are not concerned with the raging sea and, and trying to bring calm to that? Because sometimes I can't bring calm to that. But I can invite calm in here. And I can invite calm in here that would allow us to navigate the storm in a different kind of way. And so we can turn back to old ways of doing things. We can try and eject from the situation completely. And third, when life doesn't go as planned, I think we can go back to all kinds of emotions, to painful emotions. Maybe it's anxiety or fear or anger. Maybe you've noticed those emotions bubbling up within you. Our goal is, of course, not to you know, hit ourselves over the head with that. We're already being punched in the face or punched in the gut by what's going on. But it's to notice those emotions and notice what has been ruling our life. If the invitation of Jesus and the invitation in Colossians, as we read last week, is to let peace rule over us because we were called to peace, then why is it that so often I'm responding to the call of fear and to the call of anxiety and to the call of anger? I've noticed, for example, about anxiety. Like anxiety, it really comes from this place where that we as human beings, we can imagine a future that doesn't exist yet. And that has some beautiful implications. It allows us to innovate and create things that have not yet been created but it has a shadow side to it also. And this is kind of unique to the human species, right? I don't mean to criticize, but I doubt your dog at home is imagining the future too much, right? The beautiful gift of that is your dog is very much in the present, in the present moment, of course. But this reality, this dark side of imagining the future is that we can imagine very negative futures and we can imagine very scary futures. And the reason we sometimes give our anxiety the kind of oxygen to do that for us is because we, we believe that maybe it's gonna prepare us for what might happen. Maybe it has a gift in it. But this moment that we find ourselves in has kind of break, broken that, that lie in many ways, right? Because I'm 34 years old and for all of the anxiety and fear that I felt in my life, all of the scary scenarios that my mind has imagined, all of the stories that I've created about what might happen and how it might happen and how I need to prepare for that to happen. Not one point, not one moment did my anxiety say, you better prepare for a global pandemic, <laughs> right? And so in a moment like this, that emotion has been found lacking, has been found wanting. 
if my anxiety was, a, was an employee, I'd, I'd fire him immediately for malpractice because he'd been running into my office every five minutes telling me like, hey, you said something really stupid or um, what if you don't have what it takes, etc." But the anxiety didn't prepare me for a moment like this. And so for us, we get to examine what has been governing us and what has been ruling over us. If the invitation is that peace would rule over us, then I get to look in the mirror or look right now into this camera and realize that peace has not been governing my life, that his love has not been ruling over me in the way it might. There are moments when we face crisis like this that we can often turn to criticize leadership, right? Leadership all over the board. We see that going on in in, in the press right now and on social media. But for me and for us as a people, we get to look in the mirror and, and, and look into the eyes of each other and look at our own leadership and look at who we have employed to lead and govern over us. Have I responded to the call of peace to let it rule over me? Or have I been responding to the cry of fear and to the rage or the anxiety? And have I been submitting myself to that and letting that rule over me? In that case, I definitely do have to confront my leadership and put something else in place. And so there's this invitation as we read together last week in in Colossians 3 to let peace rule over us and to let love govern us. We see this in the life of Jesus again in, in, uh, in John chapter 14. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I love this reality that he can give something not as the world gives. The people that he was speaking to right then were being governed, being ruled by the Roman Empire. There's this phrase, Pax Romana, which means peace, the, the, the peace of the Roman Empire. It was a peace that came through control, through judgment, through violence, through fear. It was a, a fake peace in a sense. It was, it was a It wasn't really a peace, it was just a fear that was really governed by control. And Jesus says, I can give you peace not as the world gives. When he says, I I give not as the world gives, those two word give and gives are uh, just slightly different words. The way Jesus gives is this active, first person, intentional giving. But the way the world gives is this passive, almost incidental way of giving peace. And so I love this invitation about the way he gives. It's like he's saying, I can give not as the world gives, that we might be a people who live not as the world lives. That we would live not being governed by fear or anxiety, not being tempted to just eject from the scene and be thrown overboard, not being drawn to pick up the old ways of doing things that Jesus invited us to put down and not being drawn into like the dark hole of anxiety and fear. But instead, we might be a people who receives what only he can give. He says, 
later to the disciples, he says, in this world you will have trouble. But here in John 14, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. That there is a reality going on that maybe he did not come to calm the storm out there, but he did come to calm the storm in here. And he did come with this invitation to say that there will be trouble out there. Don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard by it. It, it is coming. But you can live in such a way that your heart does not absorb all of that trouble. And so I think the invitation of this moment for us as a people is to choose our leadership really wisely, is to let peace rule over us, is to receive the peace that only he can give, and is to choose to be men and women that surrender our control and submit ourselves to him in this moment. See, I, I may not be able to control right now what happens to my bank account or my savings. I may not be able to control what happens to my money, but I can control my relationship to that money. I may not be able to control whether I keep my job or not in a season like this, but I can control the level to which my identity and my worth are held by that job. And so for us as a people, what I, what I want to invite us into is this invitation to say, man, he gives not as the world gives. And we look around and we see how the world gives. And we can live not as the world lives. And that we can choose to be a people instead who are governed by peace and governed by love because we live in his kingdom his kingdom of peace, and his kingdom of love. And so our invitation today is to step out into the world, maybe not literally right now, but through our messages, through our posture, within our families, within our homes, and eventually out into the world. And to be a people who are ruled by peace, to be a people who have received something that only he can give. Thanks for being together with us this morning at Vintage. It's a gift to be able to be with you in a sense in this way and to share some of these thoughts. Thanks.